Welcome back to the Everyday Hair Colourist. Today's guest is Gareth Williams. Hello, Gareth. Hello, darling. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So, Gareth has worked across different platforms in our industry, TV, Fashion Week, working in the salon. He's worked for a big company and recently made a change, which I want to get into all of that soon. Um, He has a massive passion for education, lots of achievements within the industry. Um, Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. So, how long have you been hairdressing? So, I have been hairdressing uh, since, well, I entered the salon when I was 13 as, you know, like a Saturday boy and sort of after school. And just kind of, you know, when you're in an environment, you're like, this is where I'm supposed to be. So, um, obviously, left school at 16, started my apprenticeship uh, then. And yeah, so, I mean, 16 years later, full time, and here I am now. So, Right, so like me, really, you're sort of a Saturday boy sweeping up and sort of doing whatever you could, the glamour of it, and then going into it full time. Yeah, absolutely. So did you start training off with the big company or did you start somewhere else? How did, you, how did that role happen? So I started in, um, I grew up in Wiltshire and started in like the best kind of independent salon in that area. And you know what it's like when you first start your you're outside, you're washing the, the shop front window, you're polishing the plants, you know, you're beeswaxing the shelves and everything like that. But I was really lucky. I had a, a boss who was very, very strict, but had a huge passion for education. So um, yeah. I, I used to like bunk off school and uh, go and do courses in London, you know, sort of like the kind of Goldwell kind of courses and perming courses, foiling courses and things like that. And and I just knew that that's kind of where I wanted to be. But it was actually really frustrating at that time because I was actually really academic. And uh, it just, all those vocational opportunities seemed to happen for the the people who maybe weren't at school as often and uh, maybe slightly disruptive in lessons. And... Mm. I just kept asking. I was like, I just want to be in the salon. I kind of want to start doing my like MVQ level one. I know I want to be around hair. And you know what it's like when you're younger, you know, you've got these adults telling you, actually, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I just knew I really wanted to immerse myself fully in, in this hair environment, like watching someone come in and being like a shadow of themselves, but then leaving like the, the most amazing kind of Beyonce version of themselves. So uh, that for me was like really what it was about. Can I ask you something in that then? Bec- are you saying that when you were at high school, um, we don't call it high school in England, do we? But you know what I mean, high school. And we, was there an opportunity for young people to get their MVQ1 while they were while they were in school or did you have to um, do your exams and then make your decision about it afterwards? So actually, I guess the school that I was in was very unique in that they actually offered sort of entry uh, qualifications into these industries, vocational industries. This is the second time that this has come up in a conversation with a hairdresser that's been on here. And I think that's really, really interesting because, of course, it's a great taster for you to to see whether you like it or not and it, it it's brilliant but it's rare yeah but unfortunately that opportunity wasn't open for me because uh i guess i was too studious right and um 
it was kind of left like these uh, vocational qualifications were left to like people who maybe weren't achieving above C grade. And I, I was actively asking, I was like, I really want to do this. And it just, you know, it's like, no, this isn't available for you. This isn't what you're doing right now. Mm. Um, which was frustrating because I knew I wanted to be a part of that. So education basically funneling people into the roles that they think are right for them rather than letting people discover it themselves, which is a, a common problem, I think, really. And um, it must have been quite difficult for you. I guess so. But I mean, you know, I'm obviously glad that I did my GCSEs and did really, really well at that. And, you know, I'm glad I have that because effectively it hasn't really held me back. But I think it does bring true to the issue that, you know, you can only do hairdressing if you're not being academic. Mm. And uh, I, re- I really truly feel that the kind of the best hairdressers I know are some of the cleverest people I've ever met. And, you know, there's that, that thing where the two things don't seem to kind of glide at the moment. And I think it's slowly changing, but, um, you know, I think it's allowing people to be the best versions of themselves and allowing them to be the the person they want to be, right? Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that um, trade trade was a sort of frowned upon word for a long time. And actually trade jobs um, see you working for your your whole career. I mean, you know, plumbers, hairdressers, they're skill sets. They're really good skill sets. I'm not saying that hairdressers are better than plumbers or vice versa, but carpenters, all those kind of jobs, you're always going to be able to guarantee yourself a living. Whereas, you know, accountancy, for instance, is already starting to disappear because of things like apps and stuff that do it all for you. Exactly. So maybe education needs to look at something else. You also said something really interesting about your first boss was really keen on education. And I saw, as a sideline here, I saw that you'd gone back to see your old boss recently and... um, to see them and chat with them and talk to them and stuff, which I thought was lovely. Oh, you know, uh, he was definitely a very difficult person to uh, train under, purely for the fact that just had such high standards uh, when it came to hygiene, when it came to cutting hair correctly, colouring hair correctly. And, you know, when you're young, you don't necessarily see that for what it is. You just think that someone's being really difficult And now I'm older and can look back and reflect on it and be like, oh, my God, that was totally the best environment to be in. You know, like things that I've learned about my life, you know, those lessons initially started there. And uh, now, obviously, I'm a freelance educator. Uh, I thought, you know, what better opportunity to go back and do some education uh, for where where I first started. So it was kind of like quite full circle, actually. And... um, yeah, just a really lovely kind of position to be in, I think. That's brilliant. I want to get back to the freelance education, but first of all, I want to start, keep going with your journey. So you're working for this guy who's particularly tough, um, and I think tough is a good thing uh, in the sense when you look back on it, definitely. He was um, making sure that your foundations from either c- from cleaning the windows to making the cup of coffee to colour to haircutting were strong. 
Um, and that's the discipline. And it's something that I admire in bosses and educators that they can be disciplined. And so how did that go for you? Did you fully qualify there before you moved on or? Yes. Yeah, so I qualified there and, you know, did my level two, level three, started building a column and, you know, it was kind of a bit easier for me, I guess, because I was the only male in the salon, apart from him. And in a sort of smaller local area, that really gave me a niche because mm. I was one of very few male hairdressers in that area. Uh, so I started to build my column quite quickly, uh, became one of the assessors in the salon. But then, oh gosh, I was like 21, 20, 21, and almost felt like I'd hit my level. And, you know, there's that saying, isn't it? Like, if you're the most intelligent person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I kind of felt like, okay, I need to go and immerse myself somewhere else now and be uncomfortable and grow. Um, So, yeah, so I left there when I was 21 and uh, started with Headmasters. uh, Did you stay locally with Headmasters or did you move into London for that? No, I wanted to be slap bang in the middle of uh, London. So uh, I, I applied for a position as a stylist in their Hanover Street branch and, you know, got the job. And yeah, then I feel like <laughs> then that's when I really started to grow. It was... So you made the move into the big smoke, right into the middle of it in Hanover Square. It was honestly sort of working a few doors down from Condé Nast. We had loads of the Vogue house girls coming in. And on my first day, I did this uh, blow dry and it was, um, took the lady's jacket and it was, you know, like a a Burberry or a Balenciaga jacket, something like that. And I remember just feeling so nervous. I was like, oh my God, I've never touched like a jacket like this before. And I'm doing someone's hair who owns this type of jacket. And, you know, you get all those insecurities like flooding in. And I just thought, oh my God, can I do this, you know? And of course you can. It's that feeling of, um, just that feeling of pushing yourself and something new, isn't it? So Absolutely. And, you know, you, you grow from situations like that, don't you? And, yeah, it was uh, a really great time being in such a big salon, so many amazing hairdressers, you know, learning from conversations that people have with their clients, consultations, you know, how people talk to people, how people perceive cutting, how people perceive colouring. It was just so much absorbing of the environment around me and also so much growing. You know, I was a baby when I moved. (laughs) Not not quite, but nearly, yeah. Yeah. I think it's... One of the things you just touched on about when you come into contact with people who are moneyed or who are from a, a different sphere from what you're in. And I think a lot of young hairdressers sometimes really struggle with that. It makes them nervous of being around serving. That's what we do. We, we provide a service for people with money. They're intimidated by it sometimes. But one of the great skills that you can learn as a hairdresser, I think, is that you can actually talk to anybody. And that's the skill, isn't it? You know, um it's that's totally it you can walk into a room and often as hairdressers you actually already already know someone in that room (laughs) we just seem to know people from everywhere you know if you want like your electrics done i know an electrician if you need someone to represent you in law you know someone do i know a designer i know a designer i've got you um but yeah exactly it's the communication 
being able to speak to people, but also really being able to listen to people. And Mm. I think hairdressers uh, are amazing at being able to listen and absorb information. And that's a real strength that not all humans actually have. And hairdressers have that in bucket loads. Yeah, I think that the confidence thing, I think sometimes when I look at young, younger hairdressers, I think to myself, you need to listen a bit more to that client. You need to listen a bit more. And I think that as you get older, you get stronger at that. Um, and not to be intimidated by the client just because they're, you know, wherever they're from. I think that's a good one. So at Headmasters, of course, which is a huge company, and within that company, you seem to fly um, and have done so many achievements. I mean, starting off there, I suppose you went in as a, as a stylist, yeah? Because at Headmasters, you do both, don't you? You cut and colour. Yeah. So I started as a stylist and, uh, you know, I kind of, I'd, I'd left this sort of smaller salon where I was probably one of the best hairdressers, kind of entered Headmasters and then realised I was probably one of the weaker hairdressers there now. And... Uh, Quickly, I, I mean, the great thing about like a, a, a larger salon group like that, they've got their education platforms in place. So I got myself booked on every course. I was vardering all the stylists. Uh, you know, I was growing as a hairdresser, growing in confidence, growing in skill set. And I then started doing the in-salon education, which is kind of sometimes that role where not anyone wants to do, but like, you know, I wanted to kind of pass on what I'd learned to the apprentices. And I then, I grew these apprentices who actually sort of went on the floor and were just like amazing stylists. They were amazing people. And I guess the, you know, the education I gave them helped. Um, But that kind of really got me noticed that I was able to educate and create salon-ready stylists. Right. Especially from apprentice to stylist, you know? So making that... I wonder why it is that a lot of hairdressers don't seem to want to, especially in the big cities, want to train the kids. I wonder what... What do you think that is? Do you think it's that they're busy and they get tired or they get burnt out or... Because if we don't train, if we don't do things like you did... If we don't do that, then there's nothing left, is there? You know, uh, that's, that's true. I think it's difficult because I think, I think we're all kind of chasing the buck, aren't we? Yes. We know we're all kind of chasing the money. And actually, to be able to grow your business, to be able to grow uh, your salon, you do need to invest in your younger stylist. And actually... The busiest stylist in the salon is probably the person, they might not be the best colorist, they might not be the best hairdresser, but they are the best person to know how to sell hair. Mm. And actually, that's something that, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily get transferred over to apprentices. And um, I think that's something that is, needs to be invested in. Otherwise, you're right. You're not going to grow the next set of amazing stylists who are going to be busy, who are going to be able to cope with a packed out column, uh, who know how to treat clients, know how to listen, know how to do consultations, all of it. Yeah, absolutely. I actually really enjoy seeing a young person blossom. You know, they have those little moments where they, you see them and they get it. And then, then there's a the little struggle and then you sort of support them. And I, I really enjoy being part of that. I think it's a wonderful thing. 
Um, so they noticed you. They noticed your skill for being able to communicate and educate. Yeah. So I then uh, applied to join the artistic team. Uh, auditioned for that. Uh, I was always, always, always about very consumer hair. I wanted people to look really beautiful. I wanted hair to be really beautiful. So uh, I auditioned for the art team. I got into that. I'm all for that, by the way. I'm all for commercial <laughs> colorists. It's not called the everyday hair colorist for nothing. Well and there done. There you go. It's full circle. And uh, yeah, so, and again, that kind of exposed me to other areas of the industry. Because I guess for sometimes, like, you know, the kind of general public are like, oh, you could be a hairdresser, you could own your own salon, or you could work on a cruise ship. You know, there's those kind of like limitations. <laughs> and I had, I had that view myself. So, right. you know, that's kind of what, what you think. But then, you know, you start to go into things, maybe you're working uh, or assisting on a magazine shoot, or you're assisting on a TV show. And you then realise, gosh, there's so many avenues there's like layer upon layer upon layer of this industry that, you know, for a lot of people, they, they don't even know that that's there. No, I think also, I think we don't always know that it's there either, like you said, because it's sort of you go into it and it, it, it's hair and then suddenly you see all these other pieces of hair in there, which is fascinating. What was it like auditioning for you back then? When you were as, whenever I see you, I always think you're incredibly confident, smart, you, you, you hold yourself really well. What was, what was younger you like auditioning for a role on the art team? Oh gosh, I was so nervous and, uh, you know, kind of created this concept of like festival hair, uh, like festival girl, you know, going to festival and uh, just looking really beautiful. You know, it's like day three of a festival, but you still see that girl and she looks, she's the only person who looks clean. <laughs> and that's that was kind of my idea, you know? Um, can I just tell you, I've never been to a festival in my whole life. Oh, I have never been to a festival. I, I've been to Glastonbury for about 12 hours. That's my peak, no. you know. I don't think I'd last. <laughs> I don't think you would either. <laughs> <laughs> At least um, I know my limits. Yeah, exactly. You know who you are. Uh, so, yeah. And I think having your colouring checked over by somebody else, having your haircuts checked over by somebody else, it's like doing a trade test, isn't it? It's a very intimidating uh, environment to be in because you're, you're basically waiting for someone to tell you, are you good enough or are you not good enough? Yeah. And that's a really, that's a really, like what other job sectors, you know, are you in after you've qualified? Because that should tell everyone, I am good enough to do what I'm doing. Uh, but then hairdressers go through all these other like barriers that you know you're then being judged again and being ticked off again and that's really difficult especially when you feel like you're kind of established you're then having to do that whole process again so you know that's 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 difficult you know that that shows resilience that shows strength doesn't it Um, it does and it's personal growth too because of course Everyone can qualify at a level, but to go to the next level, you need to, you know, you need to show that you've got either the intent or the possible skill sets, um, because we don't all start off top leading an artistic team or leading a show, do we? We all start off no. shampooing hair. Exactly. So that definitely opens my eyes. Uh, I think this was probably at a time where, like, hairdressing was very geared towards session work and, you know... 
you're not a successful hairdresser unless you're uh, working on shows, you're working on shoots, you're backstage. And, you know, I actually just started doing stuff like this and realised I didn't really enjoy the environment it was that I was in. Mm. Uh, so, but it also led me to other areas, you know, kind of becoming a bit more noticed by L'Oreal uh, and kind of falling in love with colour because, you know, at that point I, I was trying to be this kind of like all-rounder, like I could be working backstage, but then I was quite good at colouring and I wasn't a bad hair cutter. So I kind of really didn't have my identity then. Right. And it was kind of all of those aspects that then I was like, what do I, what, what does Gareth love? What does, what does Gareth really want to do with his time? And yeah, I think kind of from that, I've definitely realised I did not want to be like in that session world. You know, it was, uh, it's, it's a very tough uh, environment to be in and it's, uh, you know, you've, you've got to love it. And I just didn't have that love for it at all. <laughs> Mm. There's no point being involved in something that you don't love either because there's no reward in it, is there? So what did you find your voice was? I think I really desperately wanted to become uh, an IT artist, uh, that, right. uh, which is the L'Oreal, L'Oreal programme. So for, just for, for our non, non-UK audience, uh, an IT artist is part of a, um, a brand, L'Oreal Professionals, it's sort of their young crew, isn't it, of colourists and cutters that do stage work and presentation work. A lot of brands have that kind of thing built into them. So it, 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 takes, you to, it takes you off the floor and takes you into a slightly different world. But it's always, it's a mentored, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, I, I guess it's a bit like a scholarship, isn't it? But uh, I mm. guess the, the unique thing about that is that it's uh, ageless. So there's no like age limitations. You could be a mature hairdresser or you could be a young hairdresser, you know. Um, and I really wanted to be a part of that programme and be exposed to other brands within uh, hairdressing in terms of other salon groups and uh, independent salons, etc. So, yeah, so I, I auditioned for that. Um, another audition. Another audition, yeah. Another audition, that's two already. And I guess I, by that point, I'd already, I mean, I'd done uh, the fellowship for British hairdressing. I'd been a part of their Project X team, uh, which, again, was another mentor program. And, you know, so I kind of got the format of being able to present uh, a look for three minutes, the things to kind of, like, touch on. And, yeah, I think that's kind of when within the industry, I started to kind of sow the seeds to being mm. uh, placed as more of a colourist rather than an all-rounder, you know? So the, the fellowship one, which you just skipped over, the fellowship is another tough one to get into. You have to audition for that as well, don't you? So with Project X, uh, you have to send through imagery. I don't know if they've mm. changed it now, but I guess that's kind of... A, they, they describe it as like the finishing school for hairdressing. And that was amazing because they, you know, you're, you're part of like a year-long programme. Uh, you get exposed to different uh, salons. Uh, you know, we were working with the leaders of, you know, at what our competition was. 
And now you're being educated by them, which actually is mm. one of the most amazing things about hairdressing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. That, you know, that you can be involved in something like that. So, yeah, so, I, I mean, I've I, I done that and worked with lots of and been mentored by lots of different hairdressers. And uh, I guess that's then kind of pushed me towards uh, colour, I guess, because that's kind of where I felt most like me at. Yeah, I always think of you as colour. I know that you blow dry and you cut and you finish, but whenever I think of you, I always think colourist first. That's where I see your lead. So you've done a, a great job in putting that forward. Um, what was it like being on the ID team? Did you enjoy that? I mean, these are, these are, I think, just great things for people to hear about and also great things to have done in your career so far. You know, it was it was so amazing because... Uh, you're then in a room with 60 other hairdressers, you know, maybe, you know, a couple of people, but there's, you know, 58 other people who you don't know. And I guess the way I looked at it is I was like, actually, the kind of future of like hairdressing is kind of in this room. And, you know, the kind of peers that I I met and kind of connected with then have now gone on to do amazing things. And, uh, you know, to have that kind of relationship and share that kind of growth with them is, you know, is something that's kind of like a bond that you'll always have. Mm. Uh, it was a great programme. Obviously, they kind of put on great mentors. You have different experiences and it's, it's um, great to kind of be able to kind of do, you know, presentations at colour trophies and, and, and things like this. It was um, a, a great... I mean, if, if anyone's ever thinking about uh, being a part of any brand's kind of mentorship scheme, and, you know, you're always going to have that voice in your head that's going to go, you're not good enough, don't apply, just do it, get out there, do it, go, fail, go back again, fail, go back again, succeed. You'll feel so good for doing it, and it's just such good growth. It is good growth, isn't it? Because you just talked about stage skills and all that stuff. I mean, they they help you with all of that because going on stage is the first time. It's terrifying, isn't it? I mean, it's like, oh my God, what do I do? And I think that those kind of industry bodies really help you build your confidence and how to, even in, when you're wetting yourself inside, that you can still <laughs> say what you've done and how you've done it and if you can remember to do all of that. Absolutely. The, like, the presentation skills that we kind of uh, inherited... It's just simple things. Don't go on stage when you're hungry. Don't go on stage when you're thirsty. Know your first two lines. Breathe. Yeah. Learn how to really breathe. And kind of learning why all these things happen. And it's like, you will go on stage. Even now, you know, whenever I do anything on stage, I'm so nervous. Me too. And everyone goes, oh my God, I can't believe you come across so confident. Like, but uh, a great guy, Simon, Simon Shaw, he's like... You will always feel nervous. I cannot ever stop you from feeling nervous, but I can give you the skills that's going to help you overcome that yeah. and know how to deal with those nerves. And that's what it's really about. When you see someone on stage and you think, oh my God, I could never do what they, they're doing. You absolutely could. It's just that they've learned how to deal with it, you know? And uh, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's getting to that point where you're like, okay, I'm exposed, I'm out there, and this yes. is it. <laughs> I always have that, like, the minute before I go on where I think, oh, my God, I'm going to go home. 
I'm going to go home. And it's like that fight or flight kind of moment for me. And I'm like absolutely terrified. Always have been, always will be, I think. But it just kind of pushes me on to the, the next step. Totally. And then when you've done it, you're like, oh God, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like, I why more. did I feel like I that? I want more. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Fellowship, ID artist, working in a big company, educating in team. Then, then how did that grow for you? I mean, it just seems to be that it's a natural progression for you, education. Yeah, so I guess the amazing thing about the ID artist platform for me uh, is it did get me noticed by L'Oreal and being yeah. able to present on stage and kind of secure that kind of clear, clean message uh, is obviously really powerful. So I started doing uh, more education uh, in conjunction with Headmasters and L'Oreal around the UK. And that was amazing, you know, like educating at their academies in London and Manchester and Leeds. And then being able to educate on behalf of both brands uh, globally, I guess was, you know, it's, it's amazing to be able to have, when you kind of go, okay, when I was 13 thinking, right, I'm going to work in this salon. And then all of a sudden you're in Delhi kind of teaching hairdressers uh, about consumer colour techniques that we do in London. It's kind of crazy, right? It, yeah, it's, it is crazy when you look at it. And then there's that, when you're on the plane and you're going and there's sort of like that pinch me moment, your first trip or the first city that you've not been to in your life. And you're like, oh my God, that's on my bucket list anyway. Yeah. And you get there and all these people in anticipation and really wanting to hear what you've got to say. I mean, it's such a great feeling, isn't it? It really is. And also being able to, uh, you know, it has its other challenges. Like being able, when we were educating in Norway, for instance, uh, talking about versatility within colouring, you know, they didn't understand what versatility meant. So then it's kind of like overcoming mm. that language barrier and then uh, kind of, it really makes you think about, right, how else am I going to explain this? How well do I know this topic so that I can think of another 20 ways of being able to explain this so you, you get it? Inside out, basically. You've got to know it inside out, haven't you? And I think that shows a good educator from a not-so-talented not so educator is that they do know what they're doing and they know how to talk about it in multiple different ways. Yeah. And I think the other one that is really interesting is when you start traveling is working with um, a translator, because then you have to slow it right down as you're working with a translator and you have to make <laughs> sure that the nuances, you know, and it's like, oh, OK, did you get that? And I always I sometimes forget that somebody stood next to me and translating. And they're like, slow it down, Jack. I'm like, yeah. yeah, slow it down. So the yeah. thing that uh, so I used to educate with uh, Siobhan. Uh, Siobhan Jones a lot. Siobhan Jones has been on here as well. Yeah, yeah she so, has. And yeah. uh, so she's grown up in London. So she has that kind of London-based accent. And I personally wouldn't feel like I have much of an accent. But when you go abroad, they're like, we know what she's saying. We have no idea what you are saying. And, you know, I'm from like Southern England <laughs> and I don't think I have an accent. So then you're like, you have that to overcome as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. It's like... Uh, I'm going to speak for two sentences. I'm going to stop. And this translator is looking at you like, play, like looking, saying, please slow down. <laughs> Just give it a break. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. It's and you know we we talked at the beginning we were talking about skill sets and everything and jumping through hoops, but that's another skill set that you have to learn if you want to be on the international stage. Totally, uh, but you know it's a great it's a great thing to be a part of, and you know like we're saying to go to like countries that maybe you haven't been to and also just kind of learning about new products and just kind of seeing the way that they treat their clients, their service standards. And it's all of those experiences that then, you know, as someone who's educating and is supposed to be like the master, you're still learning, you're still growing from that. Yeah, very much so. I always think that I, I learn something in every class I teach there's always something I pick up on, a nuance that somebody else does or, you know, the way somebody talks about something and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So I think that we never stop. We never stop learning, basically, do we? And I feel like if you're, if you feel like you know something and you think I possibly couldn't know any more, then it's game over. You know, it's... Time to hang up your It's apron. done, it's done. Because to create innovation, you have to be open to innovation. And you're only open to that when you've got that kind of perception that you don't know everything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, you are a huge advocate of commercial hair colour. <laughs> and commercial... Absolutely. And commercial hair colourists are really having their day at the moment. And by commercial hair colourists, I mean hairdressers who work behind the chair, who are producing work that women on the high street, main street in the village, they all love it. Um, and there was a moment in our industry when it was, that was sort of frowned upon or dismissed, which I think is even worse than being frowned upon. And it was all about editorial and avant-garde. But the reality, of course, is that in commercial hair colour, there is a very good living to be made and some very happy women to make even happier. <laughs> now, you've made this big move still advocating commercial hair color but recently you just announced a move and recently we've just come out of a lockdown what was going on what happened <laughs> i'm gonna give you the tea so uh so i guess you know during lockdown i've worked since i was 13 and i was working mm. all the school holidays uh, in the salon and I think lockdown provided me with the first kind of pause within my life. Like I'd never done a gap year. I'd never done like a pause between education, uni, etc. And uh, it just gave me time to really reflect on what my life was and what I was going to do. And yeah, I, I decided that actually I wanted to have more control. I wanted to be the person who was the bearer of my own destiny. If I was going to work hard, mm. it was going to be because I wanted to work hard for me. And I just wanted to be doing things that I knew I really loved being in and about. And so, yes, yeah, so uh, I'd had an amazing time with Headmasters. I experienced a lot of growth and a lot of opportunities, which I'm so, like, grateful for. But I just decided that actually this kind of next chapter in my career was going to be me and how I wanted that to come across and how it was going to be perceived. So, yeah, so I've gone freelance 
in the middle of a global pandemic, which, um, you know, time-wise is obviously the best. <laughs> but, um, well, you know, I, I have to say, I think that if you, if you do something and make a success of it in times of um, difficulty then when, when the hay is there, or whatever the saying is, it's going to be even better, isn't it? So I, I certainly take my hat off to you to go from a big company which sort of looks after you and all the way around you to saying, all right, this is it, this is me, and striking out. How did that feel? Uh, <laughs> truthfully, very anxious. And, yeah. uh, you know, I... Uh, definitely questioned myself, was I doing the right thing? And ultimately, I guess, you know, you have to be integral to yourself, don't you? And I I know there's definitely messages within the hair industry that I really want to push over and put over. And I want that to be from me, you know? I want, I want it to be my story. And the great thing is, like, now that my brand is myself now, I... I can do that. I can dictate that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it's a, I mean, for anyone who kind of leaves something really secure and knowing what you've always known, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely very difficult, but I feel like, I mean, you know, I'm at the very beginning of my freelance journey, but mm. like already I feel like I've made the right decision, you know? Even yeah. if we go into another lockdown or what have you, who knows what's around the corner. I feel like I've been integral to myself and that's what I deserve. Well, we can't live in fear. And I think that fear stops so many people from taking a risk or a chance. I mean, there's no point living in fear. You've got to get on with your life. But you've, you've made a very interesting move because you... So I think that Headmasters is very and this isn't dismissive, it's a high street brand, they, they're around a lot, they're, they're very commercial. You've gone to a very luxe boutique, Salon 64 in Soho, that's cutting edge in the way that it approaches the client experience, and you're working out of that. So it's, it's, it's very different, yet it's still very commercial, yeah. which is the clever piece. Yeah, so I, I mean, this, the salon itself, Salon 64, is very, uh, they're great on, on socials and, you know, it kind of has that real attention to detail to service, which is really mm. important to me. Uh, but it also gives the kind of like flexibility to be able to incorporate with loads of different brands, uh, working with... Schwarzkopf, Weller, L'Oreal, Redkin, you know, it's it's kind of a real eye-opener when you've basically been beside one brand for such a long period of time. Mm. Um, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite like, oh my God, what's this kind of thing, isn't it? I mean, I certainly felt that when I went, made the leap from one brand to another and I was like, oh my goodness. And then you discover all these things and you're like, why didn't I know about this before? Oh, you know, it's, it's a whole world out there. Totally. It's like, you know, like that saying, like a kid in a candy store. And it's like, it is like that. But except if you make the wrong decision, you've messed up someone's hair, which is not so good. So, uh, you know, it's having that, that, that kind of balance. But yeah, it's been great to be able to work with different uh, products and being open to be able to do that as well. It's been really yeah. amazing. Yeah, I saw you using Blonde Me, so I was like, yes, I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's like, <laughs> that's nuclear. I mean, 
do you know what I mean? That will get anyone blonde. <laughs> it's a fantastic product. Love it. And I was like, you know, hey. And then the other piece of it is that this is definitely the age of the independent educator. Um, big brands do education and they've done it for a long time, but there's this been, I think part of it's Instagram, the Instagram story. Yeah. But the independent educator going out there and people booking them for the stories that they're telling and the work that they're showing. And you've, you've actually started doing that on your own as well, haven't you? I have. And you know what? That's, it's, I've kind of gone into it and um, I've been so grateful for like, the bookings that I've had. But I guess the kind of narrative that I'm going down is uh, I think a lot of people concentrate and it's very technique-based, which obviously we need the technique. But uh, it's kind of looking at the hairdresser and like actually how can you work your column so that you can earn a decent living how can you create create something so it's not it's not just about uh, i'm going to show you a technique and you're going to mimic it it's more about how can we elevate you so you do hair you do the hair that you want to do and you go home and you've got a good slice of the cake and you're happy and you're happy in your life and I think mm. that's kind of trying to teach consumer hair, but also trying to teach hairdressers to be kind of consumer focused in all aspects and aspects that benefit them. And I think that's kind of uh, where I'm kind of going and touching on. I want, ha- I want hairdressers to all be successful. I want hairdressers, I don't want people to go, oh God, don't do hairdressing because you don't earn a good living. You can earn a great living. You can have a great life. But it's kind of unlocking that door to it. Yeah, absolutely. You can have a great living from it if you know how to work smarter and faster um, and be commercial. Yeah, absolutely. You can, make, you can make a very good living. I love that. I love, I love talking to you today, Gareth, because I like the fact that you started at 13 outside of London, came to London, worked for a big salon, did worked for a big brand too, internationally and nationally. And now that you've struck out onto your own and it's like the next chapter of you has started. Do you know, Jack, the weird thing is I kind of feel like this is the beginning of my career. Like, I feel like this is... the beginning of your next chapter. Yeah, but I kind of, I just feel like this is me now and I'm just ready to go get it, you know? Yeah, I think that if anyone's listening to this, you're certainly going to motivate people to go get what they want (laughs) because it seems to me that... Your whole story is about going after what you've wanted and that you've had a wonderful story so far. And I'm really looking forward to watching the next chapter on Insta and when I can see you in person. I know, I missed you. I haven't seen you for ages. Well, you can always see me on Instagram. It's just the, the angles are different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey, I love all of your authentic self. Thank you so much. It's been great having you as a guest today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your vacation to come join us and I can't wait to share your journey with everyone it's been a pleasure Jack thanks for having me thank you bye so I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcast from iTunes is my favorite but I know there are others out there and also if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram it's Jack Howard Color c-o-l-o-r the American way not the English way And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolour.com. Hold up. 